Blog Talk Radio. Here at ACO Radio, American Communications Online, or any affiliated stations or websites are not responsible for what guests, hosts, or call-ins may say. All programming is intended for informational and entertainment purposes only. Hello, world. Welcome aboard, all you ground troops spinning around smartly on the planet. I hope you can hear me today. Uh, It's September 5th, I believe, on the planet we call home, Earth, Gaia, Sophia, Sophia to some. It is our home, a planet. looks blue from out and about. But, uh, you know, we meet here in cyberspace culture uh, with others that we prefer to hang out with. So on Sundays, we have a little gathering, our Sunday go-to meeting, where we try to do what we can to help each other stay motivated week to week just so we can stay alive because we are the seniors. <laughs> and a lot of churches out there, all kind of churches on Sundays, go to Sunday go-to meetings, some of them on Saturdays. So whatever your day is, uh, we just hope that you – Have a good, blessed spiritual day. And what we're doing today is just sharing some spiritual topics. And Pastor Richard T. Knight, uh, he and I both are Universal Life Church pastors of Modesto, California, ordained there and in many other places as well. But through the years, uh, it doesn't really matter as long as you have hope. We believe faith, hope, charity, and the greatest is love. Uh, We are of the metaphysical group, Pace Metaphysical Institute, Universal Life Pastors, and we share spiritual topics every Sunday to uplift humankind and our spiritual community that we hope to grow. We've been growing it for about nine years right here on Blog Talk Radio. So we do now have, as of June 3rd, Ascension Cosmos Oracles Corporation, or Corp, for Ascension Church Education and writing books and how we come together right here as a church, sacred site, groups online, and we're going to uh, share our speech craft today and encourage other members to join us and share what they feel they have to believe in. Uh, faith, hope goes a long way. They said the only thing stronger than fear is hope, and I've heard that recently from a few people lately, so a lot of things have been happening with the weather. We're in some critical climate part of the reality and it just depends on your way of thinking so today pastor richard t knight of valdosta georgia formerly of california been a lot of years learning things and i like to hear him share topics and uh, we've asked him if he would prepare something to uplift us today so he decided to come up with uh, some spiritual gifts talking uh, spiritual gifts. Now, we all have gifts. We all live and learn. And I know the, lo- the longer I live, the more I realize I don't know. I shared that on LinkedIn today. It seems like uh, there's just so much to know, and we're all getting barraged by so much to know. And the more you know, the more you realize you really don't know about this world. So, I guess uh, we'll talk about many levels today with Richard, so without further ado, Pastor Richard, let me get his uh, button pushed. Okay, I pushed your button, Pastor Richard. <laughs> All right. You're lying. <laughs> <laughs> 
You're live and on the air. I'll try not to push too many buttons on you today. So how are you today? You up I'm doing okay. Oh, yes. Been that way since 7 this morning, so, you know. Always good to start the day. I'm not an early riser, but I got my dinner on. I'm happy. I'm cooking for my daughter and maybe my granddaughter coming in from Mobile. We'll see. But you never know when family's going to drop by. But I'm just excited because I put on a funky pot of soup with carrots and taters and all kind of stuff and onions and, well, you know, the basic stuff. And then uh, even some cauliflower and broccoli, just stuff. But peas and carrots, so it'll be, it's cooking, it smells so good. I can't wait to, I'll just a big old pot of type of vegetable soup. But tell me what spiritual topics you have mixed in today. You said spiritual gifts, and there's all types of spiritual gifts, but apparently something, I'm hoping something, a yearning or a passion came up for you today. Maybe you can uh, share with us what was something about your gift today. You want to? Tell us what all that's about and I'll let you talk. I'll be here, but I'm going to mute in between, okay? And if you need me, just yell at me. But let's see what you got in store, okay? Try to make us feel better. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, I'll do my best, you know? Anyway, uh, gifts of the Spirit, as Pastor Teresa has shared, are are varied and, and a multitude, basically speaking. Uh, if you go from a, from the aspect of Christianity, then of course you have faith, hope, charity. Uh, there's leadership. There's prophecy. There's all kinds of different things uh, that were recommended and, and attested to by the Bible and Jesus and, and all of his disciples and so forth. But I'm not so much focused on the gifts of the Spirit in that regards, other than the descent of the Holy Spirit, which the Holy Spirit has of course, created miracles, and the Holy Spirit, one could say, is this, the gift of God directly to his children. Uh, So naturally, when the Holy Spirit descends, you could have the the gift of tongues, you could have the gift of uh, prophecy, you could have miraculous healings, you could have miracles of all sizes, shapes, and descriptions. Uh, And basically, it's like the Spirit of God coming down into the human beings' consciousness and into their body and into their spirit, or revitalizing their spirit, more or less. And so that's very significant, because this tradition has basically uh, opened a doorway back in the 50s and 60s, which uh, created a, a theme of metaphysicians and metaphysics. And metaphysics was the understanding of the expansion of awareness and the ability to understand not only our relationship with ourselves in our environment, ourselves as we survive, but also in our spiritual nature. And so, therefore, a great many topics branched out and became more or less like a metaphysical movement. There was a constant understanding and a seeking for spiritual understanding in all categories and all varieties. And so I think, or I had been inspired, rather, I should say, that maybe perhaps it was time to give us all an update in regards to psychic gifts, simply because the the topics have expanded over the years, the terminology has even expanded to a degree, and the unique thing is, is that, you know, the Holy Spirit, it was always thought that the Holy Spirit would choose to descend upon a person when they would, when in actuality, 
the table is also from the reverse perspective in the fact being that if you, you know, ask for assistance by the Holy Spirit or you ask for assistance by the angels or the ETs or whatever, you know, your spirit guides, your spirit helpers, uh, your guardians, your protectors, all of these various beings that basically are constantly around us all the time, you could receive all kinds of various gifts and all kinds of various awareness and knowledge was made available to you. So, uh, backing up a wee bit, I'm going to go down the list of the of which is uh, commonly recognized as psychic gifts. However, there has been a change of uh, wordage to a, to a small extent. Uh, we start out with clairvoyance, which of course is the ability to clear or clear sight. And of course, uh, extrasensory perception is, is woven in here because uh, you also have uh, extrasensory perception as well as telepathy. And these are all part and part, participle of the clear sight per se, uh, because naturally when you uh, see a vision or you're shown a vision, it could either be in the present, the past, or the, or the possible future. And uh, so people become psychic in the fact being that they utilize this gift. They call down this gift, you could say, unto themselves, or they began to uh, make use of this gift, which is innately theirs because it's part and participle of our spirit. Okay, so that's why I say we have psychic gifts, but yet they are spiritual in nature, and they are open and offered to everyone that will take the time to develop them. And in order to develop any kind of knowledge whatsoever, you have to have focused attention. So naturally, if you want to become clairvoyant and see visions and uh, telepathic, because you can share these visions with others mentally, or they can share visions with you mentally, or extrasensory uh, perception, which this would be an extra, an extra sense of perception. You would actually be expanding out to collect visions from the spirit realm or the spirit, spiritual dimension or the other side or however what worded you want to use. It all basically means the same thing. In other words, a, a dimension that a reality that we are not normally aware of that we participate in daily. So, Clairvoyance, the ability to have clear sight or to have ESP and this kind of thing, so that in turn you could uh, tell others of future events or maybe events that may be going on in the immediate future or maybe things that are in the past that need to be resolved or this kind of thing. And as a result, you know, people would uh, go to psychics and uh, seek their guidance and so forth. So moving on from clairvoyance, you then have clairaudience, which is the ability to hear, and this is a gift uh, or an ability in which one hears, whether through telepathy or whether through, uh, by the way, telepathy is nothing more than the sharing of mental thoughts without the, without the necessity of speaking. Um, so to clarify that. And then in turn, uh, you know, you have... Um, clairaudience, which is the ability to hear voices, okay? Now, of course, back in the old days, if you heard too many voices, people would think you were crazy and they'd want to lock you up or send you away somewhere. Now it's, it's very common 
for people to hear voices, and we recognize that oftentimes we have dialogues with ourselves and dialogues in regards to circumstances within our own mental selves, within our own minds. Well, now we're stepping outside of our regular minds or our, our usual minds, per se, and we're saying, okay, we're open now to hearing the voices of spirits. So the spirits could be friends, the spirits could be relatives, the spirits could be your ancestors, the spirits could be guides, guardians, angels, ascended masters, uh, the, the entities or spiritual beings could be anyone in any given circumstance and fortunately almost in any other dimension. So we have... Uh, Her audience. So anyway, uh, moving on from there, we expand out. Um, anyway, we okay? have... Yeah, I'm Did okay. You to take a breath? Get your glass of no. water or something? <laughs> no, I'm fine. Um, All right. Well, you know, I love to listen to you, and then I go back and like to learn what you said again. So I always go back and listen to the shows. I hope other people do, too. So thank you, everybody. We couldn't do this without all of you. So I guess I just want to see if you need to take a breath. So I thought I'd punch on real quick. But, <laughs> but as long as you're okay, we'll keep on going. Yeah, I love everything you're doing so far, folks. It's uh, good to know that uh, we're moving into that part of the fifth dimension where we accept a lot of our essence and things that what used to be poo-poo or uh, frowned upon. But Nowadays, more and more people feel more conscientious about who they are and their essence and how they use their senses. And uh, so we talk a lot about things that we have always known about in the metaphysical, especially if you go to occult metaphysical bookstores growing up like we did in the 60s and 70s and 80s. So I'll be 70 this year. Richard's getting up there, 65. But, you know, we've learned a lot. And like I said, the more we think we know, the more we learn we don't know at all. So, But these things that give us sensitivities to knowing each other and helping each other and believing each other is very important to send and receive and help each other. So back to you. I just wanted to make sure you're okay. I'm going to mute again, okay? Here my guy. Oh, yeah, I'm fine. All right. So anyway, uh, let's see here. We had gotten on to clairvoyance and uh, clairaudience, and then we go to clairsentience, which is the ability to sense uh, other things that normal people would not be aware of. So you could say the uh, sense that spirits are around you or sense that uh, things are forthcoming that uh, like an inner knowing without actually knowing it. In other words, it's just like... Uh, a combination of sensing that something is amiss or something is very positive that's about to unfold before you. And also, like I said, the sensing or the ability to sense that there are other spirits around you as well. We can then move on from there to, uh, let's see here. Uh, well, of course, uh, clairsentience could also be touch, but they've, they've given that a new name now. Um, because I use, uh, I refer to that as psychometry, which is the ability to touch objects and know their history 
I don't know how they were made and where they came from and the energies that may still be laying upon them from the last person that possessed them. Um, but they have a, another name for that now, and it slips my mind at the moment. But anyway, um, so there is clear ambiance, which is, of course, the ability to smell things that may or may not really physically be present. And then there's clear salience, which is the ability to taste things that may or may not be there. So anyway, uh, there's a bunch of clairs. Uh, of course, the most well-known ones are clairvoyance, uh, clairaudience, clairsentience. And uh, so you, you think about it, there's a, a clair for each of our five senses. Okay, you have clairvoyance, which is the ability to see with your third eye, uh, or, you know, psychic perception, ESP, telepathy, that kind of thing. And then, of course, you can hear with your ear, and this is a psychic ear where you can hear the voices of others uh, that will give you guidance and information and knowledge and wisdom and all that kind of thing. And then, in turn, you have uh, the ability to sense, which, of course, would be to touch and feel as well as to sense energetically that the energy in the room has changed or that the vibration in the room has changed and that in turn there are other entities or spiritual beings present in the room with you. Then, of course, you have the ability to taste, which that's the ability to taste oddly is, is not all that common. Um, it's, it's, I wouldn't say that it's absolutely rare, but it is not all that common. And then, of course, the, the ability to smell as well. And, of course, taste and smell pretty much go together because usually when you're tasting something, you're uh, smelling it as well, but not always. And then, of course, there, there are other gifts in addition to that. Uh, you have the ability to create energy, um, and, of course, these are the healing sciences. You draw, draw within you or draw forth to you uh, Reiki or the uh, sustaining chi that sustains us all, universal life force. And these, these energies can be utilized to create change in your environment. These energies can be utilized to change uh, your physical self and also uh, be gifted uh, more or less, or you could say the energy is directed to another given individual to uh, promote healing within that given person. Um, so then in turn, in addition to that, like I said, psychometry, which is the ability to read and to know the history of objects. Uh, and there's also uh, other things that have come forward now, of course. Back in the day, uh, we would have channels, which basically, they, uh, just like the word implies, you would channel the knowledge or wisdom of another given entity, and that given entity could speak to you and actually help you to write books, such as back in the day with Seth Roberts and her book Seth, uh, or I'm sorry, Janie Roberts, I believe it was, and the book was Seth, and the spirit was Seth. And basically, it was a spirit, a spirit entity that she wrote a few books about. And uh, others would gather around, and a, a channel would sit on, on the stage, and they would actually channel information from a given entity and so forth. And there, there's a big difference between channeling and mediumship. Channeling, basically, a person is still very much aware of their physical self 
and in control of their physical self other than the fact that they're hearing or being led into information through an outside entity that may or may not take over their vocal cords and give information to those that are present in the audience. A medium, on the other hand, is basically one who is in constant contact with the spirit realm, and they use focused attention to create an altered state of mind or an altered state of being in which an actual spirit entity comes into them and utilizes their physical self while their spiritual self, you could say, is kind of sitting on the sideline um, as this entity takes over their physical self to deliver a message or to give counsel or what have you. And of course, uh, there's been a, a great deal of overlapping in this regards. Uh, there's, you know, ch there have been channels that are also mediums, and there have been psychic mediums to indicate that, you know, uh, they have psychic gifts as well as being a medium, and there are psychics that are also channels, and so therefore they not only possess psychic gifts, but also are channels themselves. Of course, the great gift gift of it all is the fact that you can develop all of these gifts for yourself simply because they are an innate part of your spirit. So it's not like a special thing that only a certain few are chosen and given these gifts. No, these gifts are available to everyone. It only takes focused attention and the humility to ask for assistance in opening yourself to become more and more a part of your greater nature or more and more a part of your spiritual self. So that's basically uh, the fundamentals of the psychic gifts and the gifts of spirit for the most part. Uh, there's healing, like I said, and there's all of the clairs, which there are seven clairs in total, uh, which they've also expanded. Uh, and I like to use the, the word... Uh, clear omniscient, which means that not only do I have all of the five gifts, but I, I have the gifts beyond just the given five or the given seven to expand out into psychometry and other kinds of sensitivities. Uh, and this is, you know, again, like I said, now in my particular instance, I was born with these gifts, so naturally over time, uh, you, you tend to tone them down or you tend to set them aside to a degree. They are always with you and you always have the ability to use them. It's just that, you know, in common circumstances, you know, not everyone is going to be as open-minded as they could be or would be. And so therefore you may run into somewhat, uh, you know, those that will reject the situation or those that will think, you know, you're, you're very strange and you're very touched or you're very exotic to some extent, very different. Uh, so the gifts, uh, in addition to that, there is also empathy, of course, which is the ability to read other people's emotions and understand where they are at emotionally. Um, so you could say that this too is a sensitivity because in addition to your own emotions, you're feeling the actual emotions that a person is sharing with you as they have, are maybe, uh, speaking to you about a particular experience, especially in a traumatic one, you know, you may feel the entire emotion that they experienced while uh, they went through this trauma. And oftentimes, a great deal of healing transpires 
even though they're only speaking or sharing that traumatic experience with you. So it's giving voice to that trauma that in turn also releases some of the energy of that trauma. And then, of course, the sharing of that emotion is a great release as well and undoes or releases internally the traumatic strings that may have been held inwardly by that person emotionally on an emotional level. Uh, and, of course, uh, this, this sensitivity, uh, if, if you are gifted with it or you're born with it or it develops. See, a lot of these gifts develop on their own simply because uh, they're, part, they're part and parcel of how you experience and how you express yourself. And that's why I say all of these gifts are part and parcel to everyone's nature on a spiritual level. And it is just a matter of calling them forth and focusing uh, that you have the intent of making them welcome into your conscious awareness from your spiritual essence, and therefore they develop over time. Uh, other times they can be yours without paying any heed to it whatsoever, and it's just naturally there. Now, we can also move into precognition, which is uh, very similar to clairvoyance because a, precognit a precognitive sees things or events or places or situations that have not yet transpired. And the precogni precognition can be experienced in both a wakeful state as well as in dreams. So you would have a waking precog and you would have a sleeping precog. The more common of the two is the sleeping precog, where a person has a precognitive dream that in turn the dream itself becomes actual physical, mental, and emotional reality, say within a day or two or say within a week or a month. And on very, very rare occasion, uh, there are dreamers that are so precognitively bound that practically every dream that they experience, they actually see transpire in their physical reality, either with, uh, within their own reality and their own environment and experience, or in the environment and experience of a friend or a family member. So again, like I said, to be completely precognitive to the extent that every dream one would experience would come true is somewhat rare, whereas uh, a person that has the precognitive ability to use their precognitive faculty, whether they're awake or asleep, if they have utilized it while they're waking to a good extent, then of course, like any other skill we develop, it becomes habit. And the more you utilize it, the greater focus you're showing up, shedding upon it, and therefore, in turn, it develops more and more keenly. So I think I've covered the majority of it anyway, uh, there's healing, like I said, there's sensitivity, um, and those that are empaths in regards to uh, having emotional sensitivity, uh, the one thing you need to learn is to shield yourself. In other words, you put up an energetic shield so that in turn when you're listening and uh, whether you're physically by the person, whether you're on the phone, whether you're on the Internet, of course, these days, or whether it's some other situation, um, if you're physically together, you have uh, you need to put up an energetic shield, the reason being so that any negative emotion that's expressed by the other person doesn't in turn cling to you. 
So the shield of energy, of course, between the two of you does not affect their sharing. It only affects what is what remains behind with you after the two of you have parted company. So um, empathy is is fantastic. Um, I use it all the time. Um, and then there's also the ability to read energy. Okay. And what I, when I say reading energy, it means that you're able to see people's auras or their energetic field around them that is created by their seven main chakras, even though there are a total of 12 chakras um, in my practice. But, I mean, the seven main chakras, of course, are your crown center, which is the center of the, the top of your head. Then, of course, there's your third eye, which is the brow chakra between your eyebrows. And then, of course, the throat chakra, which is your throat, your heart chakra, which is basically just to the right of where your heart resides, then the solar plexus, then the navel chakra, and then the uh, base chakra. And these are all energy centers. So if you become traumatized emotionally, what can happen easily is that this negative emotion, this negative energy gets stuck in one of your chakras and creates an, a misalignment in your chakras. So in other words, your own energetic system becomes imbalanced. And if when, it, when that happens, then of course, your chakras need to be cleared. So in other words, you energetically need to cleanse. So you have to, uh, the easiest way to do this, of course, is to draw down energy from your spiritual self or from your higher self or from God's source or whatever you call your divine entity or source outside of yourself that is energetic consciousness, you draw that energy down within yourself and you see it like a stream or a white light or a gold light or a green light or any light that is of harmonic vibration, uh, pink light for love, uh, gold light for God source, white light for purity, uh, green light for healing, uh, all of this, you would see it as coming down in a stream of light, and it basically comes into your crown chakra and goes to your brow chakra, your throat chakra, your heart chakra, your solar plexus, your navel chakra, and then your root chakra, and then in turn back up the opposing side or your back side so that in turn it flows completely uh, through the entirety of the chakras themselves that radiate both before you and behind you. Um, and this is a cleansing process, and the energy becomes um, unstifled or unbound, and you always send it to the ground so that whatever energy it happens to be can neither harm you nor anyone else. And so the, the, the whole mystical thing, you know, uh, are, we are energetic beings that vibrate at a given frequency, and it is unique to ourselves, yet at the same time, this resonates with our consciousness, and of course, we share our consciousness in a super-consciousness, or an over-mass over or over-soul consciousness of the entire race of mankind. So, our perceptions naturally shift depending on the energy field that we are creating before us, and the resonance of our energy or vibration and frequency at the time of our existence. So you could say that everything is vibrating at a specific frequency that is in harmony with the presence of that given thing. So nothing is static. The only absolute in reality is change because everything changes. 
whether it be a minute change or a grandiose change. Uh, the weather, of course, is the best example of change because the weather constantly changes. I mean, we have cold spells, we have hot spells, we have storms, we have uh, snow, we have hurricanes, we have volcanoes. And all of these, of course, grandly affect the weather. And in turn, uh, this spreads from one place to another and affects the weather globally on a grand scale, of course. And our, you could say that our consciousness does the same in the fact being that we meet out uh, a specific energetic frequency as a given individual. And then, of course, we meet out a specific given frequency of energy as a race. And we also share a consciousness. In other words, whenever you have energy, frequency, and vibration, you also have light. And light, of course, is a transient source or purveyor of this frequency and energy. And so we radiate unto each other, and then we in turn create our personal world, and then in turn the world around us. So if you go back to the gifts, all of these gifts are in a sense a blessing of energy because when you become psychically aware or spiritually gifted, you are changing and attuning your frequency and awareness to a given resonance, a given vibration, so that in turn, you, your conscious awareness is more in harmony with various dimensions around you. So instead of being purely walking the path on a physical scale and a mental scale, and then, of course, being emotionally and mentally aware of your surroundings and all that you're going or transiting through, you expand your vibration so that in turn it also encompasses all these variants or expansions so that you are sharing or experiencing what you could say are the, oh, the awareness and the senses of your spirit rather than just purely the senses of your physical self alone. So that's how I've come to understand it. And like I said, our terminology has changed a wee bit, you know. Uh, for example, the gift of tongues on a biblical uh, recognition or reverence would have been uh, the gift of speaking foreign languages. That's how it was meant to be perceived originally. However, uh, there are Christian sects that believe that one when one becomes possessed, they speak tongues that cannot be understood because they are not necessarily of human language or human dialogue. And therefore, you know, uh, they could be uh, possessed by something other than themselves, whether it be a higher source of uh, frequency and energy or a lower source of frequency and energy, or what we would call light and darkness. Uh, and of course, light has a frequency and vibration as does darkness. And of course, in reality, you cannot really have one without the other because you simply, uh, it takes darkness in order to recognize that there's light, just as it takes light to recognize that there's darkness. So they're, they're, one is contained within the other or they are balanced to each other, just as there is yang energy for the male and, and yin energy for the female. And again, uh, we attempt to balance our nature, which is a composition of all that is in actuality, 
Yeah, you could say that you you have the universe that resides within you um, because everything starts in spirit and then in turn resonates down through our spirit to our physical selves and out to the world that we create for ourselves and also that we participate in in the overall reality of all that is. So I know that's an awful lot of things to be saying, but at the same time, I'm trying to give you a grounding uh, source of information that is very, very easy to, to relate to and easy to comprehend from the aspect being of how it all flows together. So, you know, if, if you say, all right, I want to be clairvoyant, that means that you want to have clear sight. So you want to begin using your third eye, which is your intuitive source. And from your third eye branches out telepathy, the ability to reach out from your mind or your mental perceptions to another person's mental perceptions, which means that the two of you are gaining an identical frequency, an identical brainwave, a transition of energy that matches each other so that in turn you can share information without actually having to physically speak. But, you know, clairvoyance, like I said, clear sight, which is the basis of your intuition, all right, uh, is a ability that is naturally something that you utilize as a spirit entity. So you're merely asking your spirit to bring that gift forward to you in your physical reality. So you're raising your vibration and matching the frequency that resonates in harmony with your spirit so that in turn you can develop clairvoyance. And the same would, said to, would, would be said to be true of all the various psychic attributes. Now, uh, of course, like I said, we are all energetic beings, okay? We each resonate at a given frequency and a given vibration. And that's how we oftentimes are drawn to each other, simply because you will meet people that are brand new and you've never met them before in your life, in this life, on the physical plane, and yet you will recognize that there's some kind of spark of of knowingness that has gone between the two of you before, and so it's like you're meeting an old friend rather than meeting a new acquaintance. And the same can also be said about environments. Uh, You may set foot in a castle somewhere in Germany, and you know for a fact that you've never been there in Germany and certainly never visited this castle, and yet you walk into the the doorway and you walk into the, the... the galleyway and and the entrance to the castle and the grand hall and all that. And you find yourself having deja vu. In other words, all of a sudden you have this impression or this feeling that you've been there before. Again, this is recognition that perhaps in a past life you may have been there. And that branches out into other things. Okay, we've gotten into uh, precognition. uh, We haven't really addressed dream states too much simply because, you know, uh, dream states are when, what we experience when we're at rest, when the body is attempting to heal its physical self and our minds and our emotions are reviewed for that particular day. Maybe it be through dreams, maybe it just be through thoughts. In turn, we, we get to a state of rest and we can have vivid dreams, which appear to be very vivid as though the actual Reality is actually occurring right in front of us, and we're watching ourselves as we participate in whatever the reality is. 
and then in turn uh, there are other uh, there's lots and lots of different levels of dreaming just as there are lots and lots of levels of which are experiencing our everyday reality because if you think about it we can go about our business purely from a mental state and not you know downplaying our emotions and downplaying our spirituality and downplaying our other senses and be mainly focused mentally so that that person would appear to you to be very very vibrant having a lot of orange energy and they would be very mentally focused in other words they would be uh, task driven they would be goal oriented they would be very much set on accomplishing a great many things in as short a period of time as possible and so that would be an example of a mentally focused person then of course you could have an emotionally focused person and the an emotionally focused per person is one that is willing to reach out with all of their being basically to help other people okay in other words they put the needs of other people before themselves and so they're empathically reaching out emotionally to the to bring about a higher state of being or a greater sense of heart and love to other people and of course these would be persons like social workers and probation officers and, and persons that are reaching in to the lives of others in a hope that whatever it is they're reaching out towards that person would in turn inspire that person to become a better uh, version of themselves and then of course uh, we have the physical person and the physical person of course is, are people that love to exercise and they love to become organ you know caught up or get involved very heavily in organized uh, exercises and the sports and all of that kind of thing so you could say that they're a physically driven person because they they're very energetic and they're always exercising or they like to be involved in uh, recreational sports or even professional sports whether it be basketball or football or soccer or any of the other sports so uh, if you combine all three of those together then you begin to have a, a, a baser and a better understanding of yourself because yes you are a mental person an emotional person and a physical person and then of course you're also a spiritual person so if you allow your spirit to begin to filter in and have more of a precedence over your day-to-day -day reality of purely your human self then you could say that that is a spiritually based person and the energies of these given individuals are going to fluctuate and their vibration and frequency is going to fluctuate so a person who perceives energy okay is reading the person's aura or energetic field but they're also getting a sense of exactly where that person is coming from energetically whether maybe they be mentally focused and emotionally focused or maybe spiritually focused and of course again being the presentation of energy is what gives you the vibe as to whether you wish to be around a specific person or maybe you don't want to be around them or maybe you would rather uh, be around them intermittently uh, and not share a great deal of time with them it doesn't mean that you dislike a person it just means that you you're not uh, in a place of being where their energy is harmonic to you at that given second or that given moment and so uh, it, it, like I said it's not that you dislike them it's just the fact that they are not meeting the same frequency or vibration that you are presenting yourself and therefore 
Um, you would rather not deal with them, whether it be on a physical, mental, emotional basis at that given moment. So that's what an energy reader does. Now, you can branch out into that. Uh, you have prophecy, and of course, there, there have been prophets all through down through history, and they've been called many names. Uh, prophets, of course, oracles, uh, and other, you know, sages uh, to an extent, and of course, seers, and all of these kind of things. And basically, they were always people of a spiritual presence that allowed uh, their spiritual self to guide them and direct them and also share knowledge and through their spiritual self reach unto other spirits and acquire the wisdom and knowledge that those spirits in turn had to share. And so again, this is differentiated by channeling being that the channel is aware of, for the most part of what is going on when it occurs and they usually are sharing either in a spoken word or in a written word or uh, even sometimes artistically, because you can also channel art, just as you can also channel music, you, you can also channel uh, writing, you can also channel given word, and all kinds of different channeling. So in other words, every way in which we can express, we can also channel. Uh, and then of course, this is distinguished from a medium, because a medium basically is opening themselves up to the spirit world, to the extent that another spiritual entity comes into them and creates within them an altered state of being so that in turn the spirit has uh, the ability to speak through them and create gestures and intonations and speech and so forth that is usually markedly different than that which is being done by the person normally on a regular basis. So I think that's covered the majority of the gifts, of course, now we have miracles. Now, miracles are, are divine intervention. One could say the descent of the Holy Spirit. They can be divine intervention by angels. They can be divine interventions by ascended masters. They can be divine intervention by God or goddess or the source of all. Uh, miracles basically happen when they are least expected but most needed. And usually... It is, they happen so rapidly, it is very hard to define exactly what the source is, other than obviously the source of energy is greater than that which creates ourselves. And now, there are also other gifts. I mean, some people like to scry or see visions by water. Uh, they will sit in front of a pool or they will sit in front of a, a small uh, base of water or whatever, and they actually see visions within the water. There are those that scry by light, and these are commonly referred to as those that used to, used to and still do, to some extent, use a crystal ball, wherein the light actually comes into the crystal. The energy inside the crystal ball itself changes and creates visions and pictures for that person to observe. Um, then there are also those that scry by fire. So uh, oftentimes these can be small fires, such as a candle flame, or they can be large fires, such as, you know, a fire pit, or even uh, fires as large as a bonfire. And these people are, again, sensitive to fire, uh, the energy of fire, and therefore they can actually see images within the, the flames. So... 
there's all and like I said, you know, is when you consider everything about us is energetic. Okay, we are electromagnetic beings that have an energetic vibratory consciousness on a spiritual level that in turn enhouses a physical body. And so our spirit is adapting or getting used to being uh, limited to a physical self, while at the same time our physical self is beginning to awaken and open up to all that we are spiritually. So, Teresa, might you have anything to add? Hello? I guess not at the moment. Anyway, so that's covered the the gifts of the spirit for the most part. Now, of course, there are always uh, different ways and different manners in which uh, different spiritual gifts may be more pronounced in one person than another. You there? I was talking to you. Yeah, I had my phone on mute plus the studio on mute. So I didn't know I double muted me, but I was sitting here talking away to you and you couldn't hear me. But, oh, gosh, you know, I'd always say we have mystics, oracles, psychic sages, seers, shaman, because that's the way I like to remember them. But uh, did you cover shaman uh, with their health and their herbs and all the different tribes? Uh, the no, shaman and the totems? Where we, uh, no, I hadn't gotten into all that. Okay, that's a whole uh, native kind of thing. Uh, fa- families from all over the world always seem to have a shaman, or it used to be the in the, even in the Indian cultures, they always have like a healer, medicine woman, medicine man, and then in the hills of Kentucky, up in the Appalachians, they always had the wise women, and they called uh, you called us crones, right? That's and I don't know the history on that word, but it just doesn't sound good. Crones, old crones, you know the women. It, no, it, just, I am it one, just it just represents the coming of age. In other words, it's a recognition of that person having reached an age in life where they've transited through so much experience and managed to survive to that point. Uh, it's an English term, actually, and it just means a, a woman that has become elderly. That's all it really means. Ladies of the woods, uh, it says uh, prone, witch, or wiki. Oh, I don't guess we should use that because that's in the gaming, or the realm of the queen, witcher, well, the land of wood. Now, and also gaming because they've... They give us so many horrifying looks, you know, and some fairy tales always had the bad witches or the, you know, the big bad wolf and then the witch that ate Hansel and Gretel or tried to eat them. But they would be considered crones, too. So there's good and bad, folks, but we don't want you to get lost in the fairy tales. But honestly, most of our myths and legends come from our history and cultures of uh, herbs, spices, even everything pharmaceutical comes from our old shame and beliefs and learning from other countries, especially down in South America and Brazil, where we have the rainforest. Uh, I don't, you know, you could go into all of that too, you know, but uh, wow, there's so much to cover, you know, there's uh, just, you can take one word and make a whole show on it. The crones of the crookback bog may have been an antagonist in Wild Hunt, but let me see. Uh, I don't know, but shaman traveling in the woods. So I personally think there was an affinity for trees and all the herbs 
of the land and the trees, but we have it in even Ireland, Scotland, the old countries, but we also have it in every country in the world. And they say we started down in Africa. I don't know if that's where the first Anunnaki or the first aliens ET, but I said we're going to do ET talk too. And uh, I was listening to a professor at a university talking, giving a lecture on conspiracy theories, but they started all back in 1947 with the, all the ET alien stuff and the CIA coming about at that time in 47 moving forward. But I was shocked because they blended it all in like it wasn't real. It was all conspiracy theory. And I was like, wait a minute. But he said they stack it upon truth like we do myths and legends, right, with well, witches sure. and crones. And so there's classical witches are women of Wicca, and you may want to teach people and the kids the difference between those doing good, Wicca witches, W-I-C-C-A, and old crones of the uh, mountain wise women. And uh, those are, uh, Wicca is a religion, folks, for pagan pagans, and he studied that too. The categories are uh, about the occultist dream of how Western science and esotericism are as, yeah, esoterics uh, started, you know, and how we get a lot of our thoughts and things these days. But the church didn't want people to think about the herbs and the pharmaceuticals from the Indians, even in America back in the day. But the Indians saved, you know, showed them how to have their first crop of tobacco. If it hadn't been for the Indians and what they knew, our our people coming over from the old country probably wouldn't have survived. So it's sort of a mixture of people that remember how it was back in the day. And I've met plenty of, plenty of them in the hills of the spirituality that we live today. Modern uh, spiritualism, modern metaphysical ways of doing things. And we have our a bunch of our psychic fears and occult fears mixed together nowadays. But in the old days, we only had religions, pre-Christian beliefs, pagan and Wiccan, and now Wiccan is a real belief system now. Pagan versus uh, Wicca sometimes in the spiritual, natural-focused religions, but, you know, it, it's all gained mainstream now. The kids are all for it, so wherever you want to well, go sure. with it, but Richard. I mean, but, I mean, you know, uh, uh, shamanism is, is a practice of being in touch with nature, and, yes, that, too, possesses a spiritual gift from the aspect being that you have to have the knowledge of understanding how certain herbs and certain things of that nature treat the body or can change your mental state or your physical states or yes be poisonous and kill you if used to a large extent i mean you know uh, there are lots of poisons that have very strong healing properties but the thing of it is they have to be used at a very very minute dosage because a few grains too many are altered states didn't they before we put them in a coma in the hospital but they did use certain uh certain plants to put people in like a light state a religious phenomena back then but a person believed they were going back into a, a state to rest so shaman healers and sages have always been around folks to do those kind of altered states. And you, but you don't have to go into a trance, but sometimes when people would have deep injuries, they would put them in. So uh, it just depends on your level of understanding your health and well-being of uh, things that are spiritual. And the cultures around the world 
in the ancient times up to the present day. So shamanism is like an ancient healing tradition, but we also have a focus of connection to nature. And whenever I think of shamanism, ancient healing, of course, are old ancient traditions, but also with trees, plants, and herbs, because you think of the healing of the, uh, like the medicine. There's always at least one shaman in, in every culture group. Ours just in the scientific world are called physicians and doctors now, but we do have Reiki healers that work with energy, so that's the whole thing too. All right, well, just uh, bring up all that shamanism. You asked me if I had anything to add, so I need the wicca and the plants and the trees and talking to trees and then having your your totem and knowing about animals and your power animals and how you can you know, use your energy to heal and send out your power animal or go on a sacred quest. There's so much to handle. But I'll turn it back over to you. (laughs) But I'm here. I'm sorry. I just had me on double mute. But I'm listening. Thanks. Okay. I'm here. Anyway, uh, you know, yes, gifts of the spirit uh, in regards to native or tribal, tribal cultures, they were called shaman or medicine men or even witch doctors. Uh, all of these kind of individuals who would give guidance in the curative property of plants and herbs and prescribe, uh, you know, various concoctions that would cure the symptoms of a, a person that was an ail, that was ailing in a particular disease or a particular distressed state and so on and so forth. Then in addition to that, of course, you have psychotropic herbs. Uh, and yes, all of our medicines are derived by natural herbs. Uh, all of our psycho- psychotropic drugs are derived by psychotropic plants uh, that have those hallucinogenic properties. And of course, again, if they're modified and combined with other herbs and so forth, uh, they become a chemical composition that in turn controls the mind and can create or dissipate an altered state of being such as anxiety or uh, stress or, um, you know, anxiety attacks and this kind of thing or remove depression or remove, uh, you know, a person from a deep state of mental stress or deep state of mental disillusion perchance. So yes, there have always been shaman, there have always been witches, there have always been uh, druids, there have always been a lot of ancient uh, persons that resolved matters in the tribe for the well-being of the tribe. They also tended to their spiritual needs as well. Now, as Teresa was saying, you know, when you get into Native American culture and even some other cultures, uh, tribally wise in regards to South America and Peru and Bolivia and a number of other countries that I can name, they can all uh, date back, you know, hundreds, maybe even thousands of years. And the fact of the matter is, it's a long lineage of knowledge that is passed on by heritage from one person to another to another to another generationally. So, uh, you have long-standing traditions that have been around and continue to be around. And it is funny in a way because initially uh, uh, I would go as far as to say that Christianity strongly disliked any belief system that was outside the coffers of the church or the belief system of the church. And, you know, you can understand, you know, hey, 
if I have this belief over here in Christ and the power of the Pope in Rome and all of this kind of thing, and I have, uh, you know, this, this belief in other church or Christianity from an Eastern perspective rather than a Western perspective, or perhaps the combination of both, then of course I am going to downplay and attempt to ostracize anyone that would have a pagan affiliation or a belief system that was outside of the command and control of the church. And so naturally, unfortunately, we had witch trials and all of this kind of thing. And were there any witches really punished? Probably not. Uh, more or less, it was uh, traced back to, you know, there's something being bad in the rice, and it was giving people hallucinations and things of this nature. But again, you know, gifts of the spirit. If we focus on shamanism, all right, shaman not only could cure the physical self, but they would also sometimes uh, put a person in an altered state and then in turn transit to the other side or the spirit realm in order to gather parts of that given individual spirit that had been left behind by traumatized situations or left behind in other circumstances in other parts of the worlds. And when I speak worlds, of course, I'm speaking the lower world, the middle world, and the upper world. And of course, uh, again, this is, there are many, many, many in-depth traditions, so I won't go into it all now. But anyway, I'm, I'm just trying to give you the upside as far as spiritual gifts are concerned. They had the ability to heal others energetically, spiritually, as well as physically. And these traditions were deeply respected, and they were deeply respected as given individuals in their tribe or their culture. And of course, as Teresa said now, with modern medicine and science, we have deduced all the healing ingredients that we need to utilize, or at least uh, we have largely deduced a great many from nature herself, uh, bringing together herbs and combining them uh, to create various medicines and drugs, uh, and, and in hopes, of course, of curing various illnesses. Uh, I would go as far as to say perhaps the shaman knew a wee bit more than our doctors do in some regards because they oftentimes use cures that modern medicine does not make use of. Uh, that is not to say that anyone, that either science or either tradition is more uh, vital or more um, well organized or well established than the other. It is just, they both happen to play a very vital part in our everyday reality. I mean, naturally, if we have something physically ill with us, then we go and see a doctor. Uh, we can't travel all the way to Bolivia and go find a shaman, okay, or uh, the South America and find a shaman there. Because, again, you see, shamanic secrets and herbal concoctions and these kind of things are, were basically kept very hush-hush and very secret. It was only the given shaman that knew the exact ingredients and the exact amounts that were to go into a concoction to make up a poultice, which would be something that you would lay above the skin, or to use a tincture, which was an, uh, an oil uh, concoction that would in turn uh, be drank through the mouth. And, of course, uh, the sacred ceremonies in regards to achieving an altered state by hallucinogenic properties, uh, whereas you would have uh, visuals that, you know, you believed you were in another reality or that the reality you were in was somewhat different or changed. 
uh, in the, the plant life and the and the trees and the all of, of the environment around you basically felt alive as though you were communicating or commuting with their energies. Um, then, of course, if you get into the Native American uh, end of things, there are healing traditions and healing paths. There's the medicine wheel path of the Cherokee, and there's other paths of various uh, Native folklore traditions in other tribes, and all of the, these are well-respected within that community. And again, you see, there's a great deal of knowledge that has come forward now that has transited beyond tribalism and been accepted into culture, accepted into medicine treatment, and so on and so forth, that at one point in time, basically were very hard to obtain and very hard to access because you would go and you would consult a shaman. Now, uh, she also mentioned power animals and totems and this kind of thing. And basically, again, if you are following this tradition or you would like to research this tradition and become involved in this tradition, there are a great many honored traditions. And fortunately, a great deal of the information um, in regards to shamanic traditions and regards to uh, tribal culture and tribal civilizations has become well documented and is well known to a large extent. Of course, now you have the difference of book knowledge and, of course, actual experience. And, you know, book knowledge will only carry you so far, and then in turn you would have to reach out to a particular tribe or a particular tradition and acquire the knowledge and wisdom of a given shaman in that tradition and become initiated upon that path or tradition to gain all of the knowledge that is within that tradition. Yes, there's a good deal of book knowledge out there, but I won't go as far as to say the book knowledge contains it all, because most likely it doesn't. Unless, of course, the book that is being written is actually being written and portrayed by an actual practitioner or shaman. Uh, the same is true of witchcraft, the same is true of uh, a number of various traditions, magic and otherwise, that are out and about and can be obtained by treatise or book, or manuscript, uh, and again, I don't want and to get too far. And families too, right? Yes. Yeah, a grimoire is a French word for book, okay? A uh, grimoire actually means okay. treatise in French. So, <laughs> but yes, uh, there are all kinds of books, treatises, manuscripts, and a tremendous well, amount of written knowledge. For magic, though, isn't it? Her talismans and charms is what it's known for, a book of magic and invocations. And we use uh, alternative names in our spell books, but we also cook up magical stews that make you feel better or even teas. Some families have, like I like spearmint for something, but I use peppermint teas. And some people grow, a lot of my friends are, are uh, women that, I don't even know if they call themselves Wiccans, but they grow their own herbs. Herb gardens, it was really, it's gotten more popular these days. But they, well, they put their examples and samples in their grimoires. But yeah, uh, they say uh, in Wikipedia, grimoire is a textbook of magic, including how to create magic objects or talismans. 
or amulets, which you can get into, because they're only as strong, folks, as you believe they are. And that's the period of magic spells and divination. But you have to invoke your 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 angels and your spirits and deities and all that. Hopefully not demons, because we don't do voodoo stuff around here. But even that, uh, that is considered a religion here in the South. We're Richard and I have both visited many times. The New Orleans is, they still have people that entertain people, you know, with that. And not to get in the dark side, but Richard and I have known people that uh, dress in black and uh, they synchronize their traditional religions and they don't see anything wrong with that. And black is considered not a color, but yeah, we could get into the voodoo religion of the Africans and Caribbean. No, no, no. We're focusing on spiritual gifts, okay? And yes, each of these traditions okay. has various <laughs> gifts and states of being, okay? We're not going into magic. Okay. Uh, magic is, is spell work and, and the invocation and evocation to divine beings or outside ex, external entities that in turn can help assist in given situations where a person is under a lot of stress or a, 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 you know, a, a negative situation in life and they seek advice and assistance through spiritual beings, okay, whether they be angels or whether they be planetary beings or whether they be ancestral beings or whether they be beings of the earth or whether they be beings of the sky or beings of the universe or what, however they happen to be categorized. And these would in turn be gifts that were granted by outside entities, but they are not gifts in the sense that they are granted or pulled into you specifically as a given individual. Okay, a shaman actually is using gifts that they have been traditionally initiated into becoming aware of and practicing. Uh, a witch is the same way. They fall into a tradition of magic and in turn they are, they are given spells and initiated into the craft or tradition that they follow in regards to honoring specific deities and so on and so forth. And yes, uh, we're not going to get into traditions and we're not going to get into religion and we're not going to get into any of that simply because we're focused mainly on the gifts of spirit and the gifts of spirit comprise healing in addition to all kinds of different cultures, civilizations, traditions and so forth. And the healing is ministered other into either energetically being given to an individual, verbally given to an individual, uh, tincture or liquid giving into, given into an individual, or, you know, of things of this nature, a tea, a poster, all kinds of different things. Um, but healing itself as a gift of the spirit, of course, you can be miraculously healed uh, if you believe in St. Mary or you believe in... Uh, St. Raphael or a number of other given saints that, that uh, Raphael, of course, is also an archangel, so, but he is the minister of the emerald ray or the uh, emerald energy that comes down and, and immerses a person in, inside of it and envelops a person and basically heals them from whatever may be, you know, ailing them at that given moment. Uh, and then you can get into Saint Germain, and again, this is this is a, a given individual who controls the violet flame. Well, the violet flame is one of uh, transformation and transmutation, and transformation, of course, is complete and utter uh, 
making a new or bringing about a new state of being, where transmutation is basically recreating what is already there into a more refined state of being. And of course, this brings about the topic of alchemy. And alchemy also utilizes a great many herbs and tinctures and so on and so forth. And again, with the focus being that it is to bring about a state of inner enlightenment or inner awareness and expansion of inner consciousness. Uh, that was the whole reality in regards to alchemy because it's a science of changing one form or matter into another. And basically, it is, there is a great deal written about the subject and I have studied it at great length. And basically, to a large extent, uh, what you're reading is meant to be taken as different parts of your spirit rather than actual physical substances. Yes, the physical substances were there as more or less, you could say, a valid validation that maybe you had transmuted something within yourself into, uh, you know, for, from lead, which is, of course, the lowest state of metal, into the highest form of metal, which is gold. Um, that was actually an interior change that was going on and not necessarily an external change of actually converting metal in, from one metal into another metal, which would actually uh, take a molecular and atomic change. Um, but anyway, so yes, all of, this, all of these various kinds of knowledge you could say are gifts of the spirit. If, in fact, you were to ask and this knowledge were to be given to you simultaneously, um, or if you go the old school method, and that is you sit out and you do research and you read all kinds of treatises and books and all, all kinds of uh, manuscripts and everything uh, in this regards until you get to the point where you believe your research has brought you to the point that you now need to immerse yourself in the culture, civilization, tradition, etc., that is out there, that is just a lot as alive and well today as it were, say, 3,000 years ago. Because I assure you, a great many practition, practitioners are alive and well in numerous traditions, um, some of them very esoteric uh, in regards to, you know, them holding their knowledge uh, very sacrosanct and very... Uh, close to the to the hip in regards to not wanting to share that knowledge, while others have actually shared their tradition or shared their aspect and take and perception on that given tradition. So yes, uh, you know now you can ex if we go back into tribalism, we go back into Native American culture. Uh, the uh, medicine man would in fact uh, you know indoctrinate you into uh, when you became a certain age, you then in turn would take on a spirit quest. In other words, this was basically a coming-of-age ceremony where they actually went out with only like a knife or whatever, and they would have to be out in the, you know, the, the country or perhaps even in the jungles uh, with only something of minor means to help them survive, and that in turns, once they had passed the three days, five days, seven days, however long it happened to be, uh, spending it alone in nature, they would then come back into the tribe and they would be honored and welcomed back as a man or a woman. Okay? Now, of course, there are also spirit quests. And again, this is kind of like a meditative state of being simply because you're 
asking for guidance, okay, or to be shown who or what uh, totem or uh, special animals that you have that are guides and guardians to you. And so the spirit quest is so you undertaken so that, again, it's isolated to the extent that you're alone. Uh, you can undertake such a, a quest in nature, which is probably the, the most highly recommended uh, environment to be in. But you could also do it laying on a couch if necessary. And again, you, you focus internally, mentally, emotionally, and you reach up to your spiritual self and you ask for guidance and you ask to become acquainted with your spirit animals or your totem animals. And these are animals that are found in nature, but they're in spiritual form. In other words, they're not an actual physical animal, although some would say that, you know, there are familiars, which, of course, on a magical basis, getting back into witchcraft, uh, they say that, the you know, witches have black cats and then this kind of thing, and, or they've been known to have frogs around or, or different things of that nature. But this is not in the same genre as it would be with the Native American tribes because your power animals could be a leopard, could be a lion, could be uh, a bear, could be a weasel, could be a badger, could be a panther, could be uh, any of numerous other animals. And the whole reason that you have these animals as assistants and guardians, guides, protectors, and totem animals or power animals is so that in turn, they share their wisdom or their perspective on reality with you so that in turn, you gain the insight of their wisdom. And then you more or less create a companionship or a companionship is already in existence between your spiritual essence and their spiritual essence. And so it becomes a camaraderie between the two of you and they look after you in the spirit realm as beings of protection and also beings of wisdom and knowledge or insight. Because naturally, you know, we, we are human beings, so naturally we're not going to look at life as an eagle would or look at life as a bear would or look at life as a cougar would or uh, a badger or any of these or a fox or a coyote or a wolf even uh, or a snake. Uh, we would not perceive life from their perspective because naturally we are not animals from that accepted reality. So therefore they in turn share their wisdom and knowledge with us. And yes, that in turn would also be considered a spiritual gift because this is knowledge outside of yourself that you would not necessarily come across unless you were in, in an altered state of being or a spiritual state of being so that in turn you could reach out to them and they in turn would reach out to you and the two of you would meet in the middle and share reality um, whether it be in dreams whether it be on spirit quests whether it be uh, in everyday life for that matter um, but again you know these these are all different kinds of gifts uh, knowledge itself is a gift but it is also something that can be readily acquired. Wisdom, on the other hand, is, is purely a blessing because wisdom is a combination of knowledge and experience. 
and the two combined actually give you wisdom. And wisdom, of course, is, is, is said to be controlled by a goddess Sophia, and she in turn can bestow wisdom upon you. And of course, uh, the word sage indicates someone that is a, has come to a point of a certain wisdom, just as the word crone, which is uh, you consider that a, a woman goes through what you would say uh, maiden or basically a single young lady as she's coming of age to adulthood, and then she goes into becoming a mother, okay? And then in turn, when she becomes past the age of being a mother and all her kids are grown and so forth, she becomes a crone from the aspect that she is a wise woman now. She is looked upon someone of various skills and a great deal of wisdom because she has garnered such from acquiring knowledge and experience. So no, I don't necessarily see crone as being a negative connotation or even a negative word for that. It is rather a sense of esteemed wisdom, just as you would say the word elder is, just as you would say the word oracle, uh, just as you would say the word sage or, or mage or magi or uh, any of these various given titles that are affiliated with both Christendom and also magic and other traditions. Uh, shaman, uh, I can, you know, sit here and cite a bunch and bunch and bunches of names. Uh, the thing of it is, they all uh, are similar paths upon various traditions with all basically the same goal in mind, and that is to ascertain that one is a spiritual entity first and that they are a physical entity second and that the spirit controls the body and not the other way around and that your spiritual consciousness and your spiritual awareness is actual foremost to your mental self or your ego um, if you want to speak you know, terms of psychology and psychiatry. But anyway, um, gifts of the spirit are varied and uh, just unlimited. Um, and they are all there for the asking, basically speaking. Um, it is a matter of pinpoint focus. And then in turn, once the, the focus is energetically comprised, uh, the intent is expressed and the intent continues to be expressed until the gift is ascertained. And like I said, miracles are just random things that happen uh, specifically, instantaneously, and usually are directly from the source of all creation or God and goddess or the divine, or it could have been an archangel or an angel or your guardian or your guides looking out for you and intervening at a given second in a given, given moment uh, right before a trauma happens or after a trauma has happened or uh, to take you out of a given situation before it becomes a trauma. So there are all kinds of gifts. I mean, we have the extra, extra sensory perceptions, uh, like I said, clairvoyance, clairaudience, clairsentience, uh, clairalience, clairgutference. The alience, of course, is the smell, and the gutference is the taste. Uh, there's also, of course, precognition. There's uh, the ability to heal, the ability to sense, uh, the ability to have all of these senses. And again, 
These are all part of our spiritual nature, and it's just a matter of wanting to explore, wanting to expand, and become more of the spiritual essence that you are in a physical body, rather than just perceiving life from purely being a human intellectual self. And yes, the gifts just go on and on and on, and we could, I could speak for days, really, um, because, yes, I could minutely ferret out all of the millions of different gifts. I mean, heck, we are gifted daily. We breathe. We breathe. That's a gift in and of itself. It's regulated by our autonomic uh, nervous system, and so we don't have to concentrate or focus on breathing. It is something that we do innately. It is something that our physical selves undertake on a daily, on a moment-to-moment basis, just like our heart beating, just like our lungs expanding and contracting, just like, you know, the rest of us, our nervous system. We are electromagnetic beings that are electrically influenced and magnetically influenced. We are probably about 70% water, And, of course, water is largely influenced by both electricity and magnetism. So you add to that our brains, which are very, very much electrical. Um, They pulsate and send frequencies and and vibrations from uh, one molecule to another molecule. Uh, Our DNA is electrically affected as well. All that we are physically, of course, is comprised of the five elements. So you speak of... Earth, air, water, and fire, okay? And then you add to the mixture spirit. And, of course, spirit is the one that's regulating all of that. And, you know, uh, there are so many traditions that teach you, you know, that your spirit comes first and your physical self is second. And the more and more attuned and more and more aligned you become with your spiritual essence, the more and more gifts of the spirit are more readily available to you to utilize and make, you know, make use of as a, a valid and everyday tool rather than just purely your regular five senses. So I think that's got that summed up pretty well. Now, yes, there are all kinds of other spiritual gifts. Uh, like I said, you can, you, you know, you have some people have the ability to put a book between their hands and read it in its entirety and set it back down and be able to quote verse for verse, page per page, what was actually the contents of the book. Uh, is, this is a variant of energy reading, okay? You can, there are those that can look at a person's picture and not only see the person's aura, but also see everything, sense everything energetically about that person, what kind of personality they have, uh, what kind of past they've had, where, where they're at presently, where they may be going in the future to, an, to a degree. Uh, then there's also uh, other uh, gifts such as cartomancy, you know, the ability to read cards such as the tarot. Uh, there are also oracle gifts, uh, you know, oracle decks of cards, which are an oracle unto themselves. There are even card sets now that uh, depict the totem animals and are Native American-based. There are those that are voodoo-based. There are those that are magical-based. There are those that are based on the Kabbalah. There are those that are based on a great many traditions. Heck, there's hundreds of gifts and hundreds of decks of different cards, all of which basically, to a small synopsis, give you an insight into that given tradition or belief system. 
and the reading of cards. Again, it's the quieting of the minds and allowing your intuitive self to not only see what is depicted in the card, but to see more or less where it falls or places itself in the story of the person for which the cards are being read. And of course, the person may be asking a question, they may be asking for a particular answer, they, or they may be looking for a particular insight. And again, this can be deduced, deduced not only intuitively, but it can also be deduced spiritually. And one who has practiced this art of cartomancy for a long period of time gets to a point where they really don't need the cards. The cards are more or less for show because the cards themselves actually tell a story of the person that is sitting across from the reader. And so the cards, in a manner of speaking, begin speaking with them. So again, you see the cards have, become, have taken on a life of their own because they have become such a readily used tool in that given person's life that they provide insight to the other persons that would seek it. Uh, and then, of course, there's psychic intuitives, there's psychic, uh, there are medical intuitives, people that are able to use their intuition to uh, find out what is wrong with a given person. Uh, there's all kinds of variants of healing. There's sound healing. There's light healing. There's energy healing. There's healing by herbs. There's healing by tinctures. There's healing by uh, concoctions of all kinds of different sources, natures, and what have you. There's also herbalism which goes into the study of herbs themselves and how they may be used to treat moods uh, emotionally, treat illnesses physically. Uh, they can also be utilized, of course, to bring about a calming state or a soothing state or even put you to sleep. Uh, there's a great deal that has been at hand to us as human beings for a very, very long time, ever since you know the first day that we set foot here. Um, because nature surrounded us, and nature was at our beck and call and remains at our beck and call. Of course, nowadays, there's a lot less nature around because, you know, unfortunately, we've been harvesting woodlands, and uh, even the rainforests have been undertaken to some extent and lessened to some degree. But there are all kinds of, I mean, there's minerals in the earth, there's metals in the earth, there's metals in the body, there's minerals in the body. Um, we take supplements, all kinds of vitamins, and all kinds of things like this. These are not gifts of the spirit, however, other than the fact that you are attempting to maintain your physical self and your physical well-being so that you are not hindered by your body when you turn more inward to discover more about your spirit. So yes, the body is a blessing because other, without the body, of course, we could not experience everyday life. Uh, our mental selves is a blessing because we could not understand, comprehend, gain knowledge, or experience in the world around us. And, of course, our emotional selves, how we interact with each other, and, of course, there are the spiritual gifts of uh, bliss and elation, uh, you know, from, a, from an example being that, you know, one that is in spiritual bliss is so uh, uplifted that they just, it's very hard to put into words. Uh, the, same would, the same attribute would be uh, spoken about love, the state of unconditional love as one receives directly from the source of all uh, would be far more uh, harder to put into words than, say, the love that you have for your 
life partner or your husband or your wife or your mother or your father or your grandparents or a brother or sister. Those are affiliate loves. And, you know, from what we understand is love, we give our love unconditionally to our partner and our, our wedded spouses and so forth. And we give love that's supposed to be unconditional, of course, to our parents and our siblings. However, it is never or very seldom unconditional from the aspect being that, you know, we have had uh, conditions placed upon us and we've gone through life experiences that have changed us, uh, made us more mature, made us more susceptible, made us more, um, I guess you could say, uh, more easily susceptible to certain kinds of emotions certain states of being, um, and, and I mean, you know, we have states of mental being, we have states of emotional being, and we have states of physical being, but we also have numerous, numerous states of spiritual being, and those spiritual states can be those where we are reaching out to knowledge, whether we are utilizing a tool of some kind, whether it be fire, whether it be water, whether it be a crystal ball, whether it be cards, whether it be a lineage of tradition that was brought about by initiation into invoking or evoking certain uh, entities or wishing to see and deal with angels or archangels or uh, entities of the planets or entities from space or entities from uh, the galaxy, the universe, or the cosmos, or even entities from different dimensions that, again, you see, all resonates on frequency and vibration and is a basis of light. So if you have a basis of light, that is a specific perceptual uh, frequency that, you know, can be observed. And then in turn, you have your frequency and vibration of sound that is added. And you have the frequency and vibration of the energy itself. And it's all mixed together and you add consciousness to this, and that is what you would that is the easiest scientific way to describe um, spiritual essence now, on a spiritual basis, uh, you could say, okay, we have our physical selves, we have our mental selves, we have our etheric selves, we have our energy selves or energetic bodies, we have our light bodies, and we have our diamond bodies, and then beyond that, we have our higher selves, which basically is like our initial spiritual essence that is pure and does not have to uh, be corporeal or physical in any way, shape, or form. And then beyond that, of course, uh, would be our God selves, which would basically be when we are in a state of reference or a state of being where we are in divine concert with God or goddess or the source of creation itself. So our divine selves, you know, uh, would be like, you know, uh, having the same uh, aspects or uh, various symptoms or various connotations as Christ would be, as an example, or Buddha would be, as an example, or Muhammad would be, as an example. And I can go on and on and on, depending, again, on various religions and traditions. Um, and the, there is nothing wrong nor nothing absolutely right with any of these given traditions. They all have flaws and they all have truth with, buried within them. 
They all contain truth. They all contain knowledge. They all contain wisdom. However, when it basic, when it boils down to it all, if you want to cut through all of the uh, various learning that is out there of the knowledge and wisdom that can be acquired, you have to focus inwardly because outwardly is all fine and dandy. It is inwardly that counts a whole lot more than outwardly. And this is how you know that you are spiritually gifted because the gifts that you have or the abilities that you are able to share with others are innately within you. It is not anything that you had to learn. Rather, it is something that you needed to explore and give yourself permission to obtain so that in turn you could start using it. And it is only a quietude and a uh, place of inner focus and intent that brings about this ability. And so there are inward gifts that are a part of you, and there are outward gifts that are given to you by the presence of either uh, the Holy Spirit or other entities of any kind, size, description, and origin. Um, and the various gifts can be knowledge. The various gifts can be the ability to heal. The, the various gifts can be the ability to utilize energy or to recognize frequency and to become uh, in synchrony, you know, uh, with that given energy or that given influence or that given uh, vibration and so forth. And there is a multitude of gifts. But if you focus inwardly, you can acquire any and all of the gifts you so wish to have. However, you must be humble and you must be very focused with an intent that is emotionally based, that moves outward, and you are not concerned about the outcome or the time and space that it actually occurs. Rather, your intent is that it happens. And then you see it even a step further as already having happened, and that is basically the core knowledge of magic, because magic is nothing more than, again, the utilization of vibration, energy, and frequency to reach out into the creative universe and draw back to yourself that which you desire whether it be a conversation with a given entity, whether it be the reality of a specific situation, whether it be the gaining of prosperity or abundance or good health or whatever it happens to be, again, you are blasting the universe or creation itself with the energy in hopes that you have matched the frequency of that given energy within creation itself so that in turn you can draw back from creation the abundance and prosperity and good health that you want for yourself. And this is what all of these esteemed uh, elders and all of these esteemed and respected shaman and all of these esteemed and respected witch doctors and witches and magicians and mages and sages and oracles and magi and shaman and all of these given professed individuals have to offer and have offered down through centuries of our civilization as it has come today. So all of this knowledge, a great deal of it is now in written text and can be readily researched either in book form, manuscript form, grimoires, uh, or grimoires, depending on 
you know, how you wish to pronounce it. Um, there, of course, is the Bible. There is the apocryphal text. There are the Dead Sea Scrolls. There uh, is Egypt. There is Atlantis. There's Lemuria. There's uh, all kinds of extraterrestrial beings uh, that are allegedly coming forward now to help us uh, frequency, vibration, and energy-wise so that in turn we may uh, make the ascension shorter than it might possibly be otherwise or have gotten to the point where we're ready to ascend. So I would say that the ascension process is to go from a frame of reference of being a regular human being to becoming a divine being. In other words, you are ascending frequency, vibration, and light wave uh, to the extent that you become uh, as ascended as you can possibly be at any given particular moment. And that's the grandest gift of all, because the more God or goddess-like we can become, the more in tune we become with unconditional love, which is the source of all sustenance to all of creation. And the more unconditional love we can share with each other and towards our family and friends, the better off not, all, not only will we be, but also they shall be as well. And it is all a state of harmony. This is all that we're, the whole of this uh, pervasive knowledge is all set about, and it is the goal it all is going towards, is to acquire a grander state or an expanded state of spiritual experience and spiritual essence, so that in turn, we may treat each other as spiritual beings rather than just human beings, or at least, at the very least, a combination of the two. And there are all kinds of gifts that will help us get there. Uh, there's mercy, there's compassion, there's leadership, there's courage, there's uh, humility, there's um, all kinds of various gifts. There's, there's bliss, there's ecstasy, there's... Uh, divine um, connotations of, of every, every aspect that you can possibly think of. They've all been described, whether it be through biblical or canonical source, which means uh, the canon, of course, is canon law, which is used by the church um, in all of its various um, traditions and so forth uh, that indicates, you know, where where things are at and where a person is at in their personal unfoldment uh, as they go through, uh, you know, various affiliate stations in regards to their membership or their participation with the church. And again, this is reflected likewise in various tribes, civilizations, and cultures and religions outside of the church, you know, uh, we could say that one is a neophyte and then one becomes uh, advanced and becomes, you know, uh, un until eventually they reach the stage of magician. And then, of course, they can go on forward from that to the state of mage. And then, of course, they can go on to beyond that state to an elder. And again, these are all terms that are used loosely uh, in various traditions and uh, cultures and so forth. But yes, there are thousands and thousands upon of gifts, and we may acquire them all. There is nothing that we cannot do that hasn't been done or will not be done. We are all multidimensional um, beings of light consciousness, 
So we are unlimited in our ability, unlimited in form, unlimited from any aspect that one would attempt to describe. And this is our spiritual essence. And this spiritual essence, of course, houses our body. And of course, it is our spiritual essence that keeps this body alive, even though this body sustains itself and is based upon the four elements of the earth. So, I mean, there's all, there's, there's so many spiritual gifts. Um, there are so many forms of healing in and of itself. There's probably at least a hundred different forms of healing. Uh, there are psychic gifts. There are intuitive gifts. There are all kinds of different gifts uh, brought about mainly. We call them as spiritual gifts simply because they originate in spirit and they do not necessarily originate with man and man alone. And that's the big um, divider there. So I think I have covered the topic to a fair extent. Of course, you're welcome to contact me further if you have any further questions or whatever. Um, I have studied these things for a lifetime, basically speaking. So, um, Tracy, you have anything to chime in with? I guess not. She must be whole, having herself on double mute again <laughs> and probably can't, can't hear me. <laughs> yeah, it's on mute message. Well, uh, you know, you've handled a lot of topics for spiritual topics. And uh, did we discuss the out-of-body near-death experiences good enough for the Akashic field? No. We have 15 because those, minutes left. Well, those are not those gifts of the spirit. Gifts, but we, I polish my gifts now that I know how <laughs> to do that. And because of my gifts, I guess, and going on the other side, out-of-body and, and uh you know, nature has given me the ability to have uh, died with my daughter and come back, but it gave me the ability to know uh, peace when I die and that my body looking down at it, you know, it's a gift. I think the gift, the things that happen to me, my experiences are like a gift from God and goddess or whomever up there because I saw to, and heard being speaking, you know, and a lot of people go to the astral realm and some uh, you know, can go to many higher realms than just the Akashic and the astral plane. And uh, many people know that there's many deities at every level that you may travel. And I've been all the way up to the omniverse. But, you know, learning how to travel with your essence, folks, that's your fifth element. And uh, your essence is the combination, like Richard said, of all of the material, physical, illusional, delusional type things that we see in our own universe. But each individual, like you said, we're just a small, minute part, a microcosm in the larger macrocosm that nobody understands. And all the churches, even the highest, no matter how high you get, will say that God is like an unexplained mystery because no one knows really until they're on the other side all the gifts we truly have been blessed with it's hard to see uh, among the trees in the woods. You know, we're all individual trees in a big woods, big forest together. And, you know, uh, also trees are gifts, uh, plants, everything is a gift to me. And people like Richard that comes along and wants to help uh, with speech craft. 
You know, speechcraft is a very important gift. Not everyone has. Some people don't even have the ability to speak. So, you know, there's so many ways to look at how life is. And, you know, condolences to all those out there that are dealing with Mother Nature and how Mother Nature has her plans for the earth to clear it and to make it better. But we must have gifts of knowing not to live at certain places and hope that tornadoes don't hit us. Even when we're trying to be as safe as we can, uh, there's many things we can't control. So all we ask you to join us with is to use your uh, skills, your talents, your gifts to the best of your ability, and learn to use them to be a better person. Like Richard said, you know, we're all one and the same essence, really, in the, the larger macrocosm of the source. To many, we're just individuals down here learning uh how much we really don't know on the planet. But, Richard, I just thought you may want to talk about the – we've got about 12 minutes now. But out-of-body near-death experience is that essence when you're out-of-body. Now, Richard, you've experienced that, have you not? You've had out-of-body yes, when you've done it. So we yes. share that. And in fact, people, it gives you that feeling that life goes on forever, and you automatically start accepting that, oh, my God, I've been here before, or I've – like you said, deja vu comes very common. And so we, ha- we have a lot of people that are in our group that we just accept each other at that level. So, Richard, maybe they want to join our club. You know, maybe they don't have these experiences. Maybe they want to be around people and learn more. But that's why we're making this club, folks. So, you know, you're welcome to join us. We only charge $5 a month to put up your picture and your bio and to get to know us and we want to trust you for at least a year before we start doing much of the training but we have life coaches consultants and oracles and mystics and psychics and sages and seers and we write books and Richard and I are working on books there's all kind of things to do with us and you can even come on here if you'd like to share your skills and we can do other shows as well but Richard however you want to fill the time about uh, how we're essences, and uh, we know. And I was thinking when you were talking about the precogs, because that's one thing that took me a long time to understand until I saw Minority Report with Tom Cruise, but the uh, people laying in the water, but I saw visions all my life, and then it would come true. But it wasn't in my dream state. It was in my real state, driving down a road. My husband said I could always see a vision. I would exclaim and tell him how to find us a house when we needed one, and we would go there. I mean, I would take him to it by visualizing it in another town, like from Houston to Birmingham. I could see it and describe it and visualize where we were going to live, and we'd go up there. There'd be no rent sign, no nothing, you know, not for sale, nothing. But I know it was empty, and it'd be our house. We'd just drive and drive and I just knew how to get us there. It's like a GPS system. And then one day driving down a road where we had a cedar cabin in the woods, but uh, it was growing up. People were starting to put double-wide trailers on the road. But one of them down the road I saw, and I wound up living there. But I could see myself in the future looking out of the window. I drove by in another double-wide in the woods, and I drove by with my husband driving one day because he was going to be dead in the future. But I was going to be standing, and I was, and then I I came down here. But I can see, and those are precognitive abilities of visualizing things before they happen. 
then they become like a deja vu too. So you don't just have to have dreams or, um, you know, uh, lucid dreams or uh, another foot in the other dimension, although it sometimes helps. But, Richard, I'll turn it back over to you. But any of that kind well, of no, stuff, I, you know, I had enhance your story. Go ahead. I had mentioned that, you know, that you have precogs that actually have precognitive dreams, and then you have precogs which are a bit more rare that actually have precognitive states in their waking frame of mind that, you know, they see visions and, and so forth, and they always come true because it's like you said, they're seeing the future. So I am, I'm very glad that you shared because you can personally share from that experience of having lived that most of your life, you know, um, in seeing something that would happen and then in turn uh, actually going through the experience of living that reality and it actually happens. So, I mean, that's a grand gift for sure. And, of course, the greatest gift we have is life. And, yes, life is interrupted when our spirit departs our physical body. And a near-death experience is one in which you actually nearly die, and that is why it's called near-death. In other words, you can become comatose or you can become very close to death. Um, and I don't know, you know, uh, uh, when you actually physically die and your spirit leaves your body, it is uh, programmed to happen from what you believe and what you have faith in. So in other words, um, for example, when I died when I was 14, I perceived uh, that I would, you know, transit into the night sky and then I'd go through this tunnel of multicolors and then I would see angels and then in turn I would perceive what I believed to be the face of God and that I would be shown the book of life and that in turn uh, of course what I didn't foreknow was that you know I would be sent back but it was only reasonable to believe since I was only 14 but the bliss the love and the ecstasy that one feels when enwrapped and enveloped in that love is beyond uh, verbal expression and yes we are a spiritual essence and our spiritual essence is love beyond measure even more so than we can even possibly imagine to the highest degree and it is this spiritual essence that is the greatest blessing because that is the beings that we were created to be and that in turn house now these physical selves that we have come to know we have come to utilize and all of the myriad blessings that can be acquired from our spiritual essence and utilized in our physical selves. Um, and then, of course, uh, as she said, there's out-of-body experiences, which oftentimes this can be called astral projection, which is basically where your consciousness and your spirit kind of leave your body in sort of like a... Um, maintenance state I guess you could say uh, because a lot of people astrally project and they actually feel their spiritual essence rise above their body and they're looking back down on themselves and their selves you know they appear to be in a state of rest or a state of sleep and of course they're breathing and, and you know doing what they would normally do physically but only now their consciousness and their spirit is no longer truly housed in their body and they are able to go to the astral plane where they can meet others, uh, whether they be other human beings, whether they be friends, whether they be relatives, whether they be professors, whether they be teachers, whether they be guides, 
uh, whether they be all kinds of different people, um, and even others from other dimensions, because it's said that the astral plane is where we can rally to meet all kinds of given individuals and entities because we have become temporarily free from our physical selves. So there's the astral plane. Now she also mentioned the Akashic records. Well, I consider the Akashic records to be contained in the Hall of Records, which is basically a grandiose hall on the other side or in the seventh dimension, which is far removed energy and vibration-wise from us, but yet it is still a place we can traverse and travel to and basically go to and review a great deal of knowledge and experience that we have gained in past lives because the Akashic records, of course, are all that has occurred on the earth since the earth began and all the life forms and all the various human beings and and other terrestrials that dance upon the earth in their semblance of life as they experience uh, the earth as a plane of existence. Um, And this can be reviewed. Usually this is reviewed directly after one has died so that in turn a determination can be made if you need to come back here and experience more or learn more lessons or what have you. But the, now the Akasha field, um, I'm not familiar other than that would contain uh, a given individual's memories or a given individual's experience or possibly the recognition that that is where one is located is in the field of memory, basically speaking. Um, But yes, out-of-body experiences can be all kinds of things. Uh, And basically, they can be experienced in what I would... uh, It's very hard to differentiate mentally and emotionally whether one is actually completely out-of-body and experiencing the spiritual realm or if, in fact, one is in a dream state simply because the body is at rest. Now... You know, if something is vivid and mind-altering and uh, completely uh, energetically different, then, yeah, I would say for the most part, more than likely, you're having an out-of-body experience because you're transiting to a different realm, a different dimension that is comprised of a different frequency and vibration than what you're commonly used to in your physical self. If, on the other hand, you're having... Uh, dreams that you're in a jungle setting or you're in a five you know a 50 story building or you're downtown in Manhattan or you're downtown on Wall Street or you're downtown in LA these kind of things yeah that's most likely lucid dreaming if in fact you feel that you are actually a participant in the dream um, and so that's the significant difference there because yes you can have out of body experiences and most people astral travel every night But near-death experiences, well, you can have near-death experiences where the body attempts to shut down. If it doesn't completely shut down, it becomes very close to shutting down, and you feel less attached to the body. And yes, you may converse with angels, you may see ETs, you may see different dimensions, you may see different realities. Uh, Because the less attached you are to your body, the more and more you're going to be more attached or aware of your spiritual essence because your your body's no longer there as uh, an obstacle from the aspect being that it is no longer a vessel through which you're perceiving. 
Rather, now you are a spirit entity, and it is your spiritual essence through which you're perceiving all that is going on around you. So, uh, yes, near-death experiences, like I said, when the vital signs decrease to a large extent, um, then you are having a near-death experience because uh, the spirit is, li- is leaving the body because it believes that the body is about to shut down or about to die. Those of us that have died and actually gone to the other side and then in turn come back, I think that should be placed in, in, a, in a wee bit different category. I'm not sure how exactly to name it, other than to say that those, who have, uh, other than to say, uh, those of us that have died and in fact come back. That wasn't a near-death experience. We did, in fact, die. We did transit to what we perceived to be the other side. And then, in turn, we came back to our physical selves. And sometimes when we reenacted or reactivated the body, there was a great deal of pain involved because the body may have been left in a state of not completely having been sealed, uh, whether it be through surgery or what have you, or... Maybe an illness was still present, and so, yeah, there would be a great deal of pain as the body is reactivating. Um, so, that's where we're at with that one. I guess that's it. All right. Well, we made it through. We'll be back Wednesday with our Women's Day. Thursday, if you have somebody, Richard, you'd like to interview or add to our esoteric world, any of you authors out there are on LinkedIn, Business to Business, we prefer mystics, oracles, psychic sages, seers, and shaman healers, uh, those going to the psychic fairs and uh, working healers. Uh, let us know if you believe in life after life, near-death experiences, extraterrestrials, UFOs, and uh, we'll be back Wednesday, Thursday, and Sunday for right now, so three days a week and uh, 5 o'clock uh, Eastern or Central, Three Mountain, to Pacific. So anybody out there that knows Richard T. Knight or Teresa J. Morris on Facebook or any of our groups, I have TJ Morris CT Radio, American Communications Online, TJ Morris Agency, and many, many more, including UFO Secret Space. And then we have guides uh, and blogs, and we have domains with websites out there if you'd like to participate or write up an article and come present it online with us. All right, Richard, I guess that's it till Wednesday or Thursday. If you don't come on Wednesdays for the Ladies' Day, I guess we'll see you Thursday, Richard. Do you think this is a good job? You covered a lot of ground for everybody, giving them an idea of who we are and what we're doing as the Ascension Cosmos Oracles Corporation. We have to have Corp or Inc., so I chose Corp. Thank you, Richard. We'll do a much more extraterrestrial talk and out-of-body experiences and everything else. And Richard brought people on for UFO Association Thursday, and Ben Pelham may come back. We'll just have to see who all Richard's got in store Thursday. So you work on that, and I'll work on the Wednesdays, and then we'll both be back here Sundays. Love and light, everybody. Thank you, Richard. Good job as usual. We appreciate it. I'll go back and list all the things you talked about. <laughs> all right. Love and light to all. See you. Have a good week, Richard. Thank you so much. You too. Thank you. Okay. All right. Bye-bye. Bye.